Hi everyone and welcome to Everything But The Law, where we literally talk about everything but the law. My name is Miriam, and on each episode we're going to have a guest from a different industry, whether that would be lawyers, doctors, entrepreneurs, influencers, literally anything and everything you could think of. And so we're going to be asking them questions we're all dying to know the answers to. So for my first episode here, I have a very, very special guest who also happens to be my ex-boss, an attorney that works for an employment firm, and he is very successful in what he does. And so this is Simon. Hi, Hi. Simon. (laughs) How are you? I'm good, Miriam. How do you feel? It's great to be here on your pilot episode. Thanks. So how do you feel being the first one and doing this for the first time? Well, when I first met Miriam, I knew that I would be part of something amazing. Um, I just didn't know how big it would be until right now. Wow, that's a big compliment. Well, thank you, Simon. And so what we're going to do on each episode, I always want to get my guests their favorite drink. So I got you yours. You already know because I already gave it to you. But um, tell us what your favorite drink is. So my favorite drink is whiskey on the rocks. There is no more rock in here. Um, (laughs) It melts it. (laughs) It's really hot in here. Um, So... (laughs) This is, is just um, whiskey. I just love the way that it looks. Um, every single law firm movie show always has that attorney with their whiskey bottle, their 15-year-old McAllen. Um, so we're, it's definitely the character that you want to portray. Um, you look very sophisticated with your whiskey. Thank you. And you look very sophisticated with, with your my, champagne. <laughs> thank you. Mm. My go-to drink is always Prosecco. If anyone knows me knows that. That's I drink it like water. I mean, okay, that sounds kind of bad. But I drink it frequently and I love it. So, yeah, anyway, let's let's dive right in, I guess. And so can you tell us a bit about what you do to maybe a viewer that has no idea? Okay. So... I'm a partner at a mid-sized employment firm in California. Um, We're a plaintiff side firm. We practice all aspects of employment law, whether it's wrongful termination, discrimination, um, wage and hour violations, things like that. We, We practice it in a very high volume. We have large amount of attorneys, large amount of support staff, and we're always willing to, to hear an individual story so that we can have a better understanding of their position, um, regardless of whether or not their claims meet the legal threshold, we'll at least have a conversation with them, make sure that everybody's concerns are heard, and make sure that individuals really understand that people are there to support them, no matter where they are in their life. Yeah, I think I've always, that's what I've always admired about you because I feel that whether they're coworkers or they are clients, you always make them feel important and heard. And so that's something that I think I learned to do as well. Well, I learned to do better. And so that's something that I've picked up from watching you do, do your work. Thank um, you. So what, what's like a typical day in your life? So a typical day in my life... Um basically get ready for the day know that whatever you do has a significant impact on the people you're doing it with so whether it's the staff that's under me 
the staff that works alongside me or the clients that I'm interacting with on a daily basis, whatever, whatever conversations I have with them, whatever meetings I have with them, it's not only a in the moment meeting, it's not only an in the moment phone call, it's what's happening with my case that will impact the next few months of my life. What is going on with my position in the firm that will impact not only my job in this firm, but also potential future, um, future employment. So I, I don't take that lightly. Um, and I always try to, but sometimes fail at thinking before I speak. Um, <laughs> every, every single thing that you do, no matter what career choice you choose, you need a you need to pretend or you need to tell yourself that this job is not just a job. It's something that impacts people's lives more, um, more and more on a daily basis. That just made me want to become an attorney all over again, even though I already am one, but that was the bar again. Huh? Actually I'll pass on that. (laughs) Um, okay. So how long did it take you to become a an attorney like what was your process like did you do it in a a traditional way how long did it take um things like that okay so i went to elementary school which was extremely (laughs) difficult i was born Uh, (laughs) that was being born was definitely the hardest part um (laughs) elementary school high school um and then went to um, California State University, Northridge, hooray, matadors, um, and did an undergraduate degree um, for four years in accountancy, um, thinking that I wanted to become a CPA. Um, as many of you know, there are a lot of Jewish stereotypes, so it's CPA, doctor, accountant. I'm sorry, CPA, doctor, attorney. So I'm trying to hit all of them. Um, So I did my undergraduate degree in accountancy, um, went to Southwestern Law School, became an attorney, and then we'll see what happens with this podcast if I need to go to medical school. Or maybe this is your your road to stardom. Yes, 100%. It took me about um, seven years after graduating high school to finally take the bar and become an attorney. Um, I'm very grateful that I only took it once and was able to pass. Um, I know that there are a lot of individuals, especially in California and in New York, that were not able to to pass the California or were not able to pass the bar in their respective states on the first try. It's something very difficult. Yeah, it is really difficult. I mean, what's the percentage on that? Like, I think 50% pass on their first try. The year that I took the bar is about 38%. 38%? Well, you didn't take, no, okay, never mind. I was going to say you didn't take the three-day exam. That was a long, long time ago, wasn't it? No, I took. No, you took the two-day exam. It, it felt like seven days. <laughs> yeah, well, if it felt like seven years, actually. <laughs> Studying for the bar exam felt like that. Um, okay. That felt longer than law school. So you know. weren't one of those people where like, oh, I was born and I knew I wanted to be an attorney kind of came about later? Yeah, so I was in my senior year of undergrad. And I was discussing my life plans with my parents, um, having discussion of what I wanted to do next. Um, when you're 22, you think you know everything, but obviously that there are individuals in front of you that, that have a greater understanding of what you're about to enter. 
So I was having a very frank conversation with my parents about what being a CPA was really like. Um, if there are any CPAs listening to this, you know that you start work at seven, you're lucky if you get out of there at 11. Um, and I'm not saying that being an attorney is Yeah, I was about to better, say. But um, I was fooled um, <laughs> when, I, when I went into law school. I knew that I did not want to be an accountant my entire life and mm-hmm. solely an accountant. Um, my real aspiration for going into accountancy was to argue with taxing agencies, to fight for the little guy. And I knew that if I wasn't going to become an attorney immediately, it was something that I would have to do later on to pursue that career path. You mentioned being a CPA and how they have to work long hours. Do you find that that's the case, being an attorney too? It's definitely the case being an attorney. Um, However, when it comes to being an attorney, I feel like you have more control over your schedule. Um, I know a lot of a lot of CPAs and a lot of individuals doing family planning and financial services that for some reason your client always waits till the last second and I always give my clients fake fake deadlines so I tell them we have a meeting on the 12th when their deadline is actually the 17th to make sure that um, I'm delaying things um, properly and I had everything necessary before my deadline um but with with taxes nobody really wants to pay their taxes on time nobody right. wants to pay them early especially so every single individual knows that taxes are due in april and in october if you get an extension so people really do not want to speak with their accountants or their cpas unless they know they're getting a refund <laughs> i know that you love deadlines because even working for you you're like so when you sent that email did you include a deadline and I hated giving deadlines, but I understand why you wanted me to send them. It kind of like just hurries the process. But yeah, I, you want to make yeah. sure that not only are you working hard because of your own work ethic, but that other indipi- other individuals are respecting your work ethic. So at the end of the day, if you need something done quickly, you need to make sure that other individuals know that it's important for that thing to be done quickly, whether it's individuals that work with you, whether it's individuals on the other side of the aisle that you're going up against, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, At the end of the day, you want to make sure that your time is being used properly. And in, in return, you'll use the other side's time properly. That's a very good point that I never wanted to hear when I would be like, why do I have to send these deadlines? And... Sometimes I would send a few without it, so mm-hmm. that's that. You're like, yeah, I saw I was CC'd on that email. <laughs> I was definitely CC'd on the emails. <laughs> mm-hmm. Come on, I had great email etiquette. <laughs> I would just send like three words. It's like, can you add a little bit more? I was like, they know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Looking back on your entire journey of becoming an attorney, what would you say was the most difficult part? It could include also post um, taking the bar, like maybe a job or something. So when people think of attorneys, they think that the hardest part in the world is taking the bar. For me, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. The hardest part was passing first year of law school. 
it was mm-hmm. it was basically being thrown into a completely different environment with individuals that were of a different breed, if that makes sense. Yeah. So when you were when you were studying, you you studied like you did in undergrad, and then you found out when you were taking your midterms that that clearly was not enough. So I think while passing those courses and being able to to continue every single day, I think that that was more the most difficult um, part of my entire law school or attorney experience so like that adjustment of i mean law school is just really different especially Mm -hmm. your first year it's nothing like undergrad and so are you talking about like that adjustment of well i guess the amount of work that you that's thrown on you which is almost impossible to read every single Mm -hmm. page that you're assigned and also meeting so many different people did you ever have imposter syndrome a hundred percent and i think i still have imposter syndrome where granted I am a partner in in a medium-sized law firm but I feel like every day I don't think this is actually my job like I'm I'm just sitting in an office that says (laughs) partner it doesn't really mean that I am a partner Um, I think that every single attorney every single law student goes through that Um, it's going to be very difficult to find a an individual that says, yeah, I didn't have imposter syndrome at all, um, you know that they're full of it. So, yeah, I mean, I think people probably play it off better than others. 100%. Like there have to be some people that are like, no, I was meant to do this. How about the people that do the opposite where they're like, I'm way better than they actually, I yeah, guess, Yeah, those people are. did not pass the bar on the first time. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So Simon, Tell me what your life was like during law school. Like, what was the work-study balance for you? So, my life during law school was a mess. Um, <laughs> as I'm sure... Well, we'll I'll definitely um, ask you the question okay. um, after. But I, I lost a lot of friends because I was in, in, in actual classes from about 9 to 4 o'clock. And then, obviously, you want to study. Um, so you're there until about 10. And it's not something you can do two days a week. Um, it really consumes your entire life. You're you're there from Monday to Friday. I took Saturdays off because I'm an Orthodox Jew. But I, I, but I was there on Sundays, which sucked because you don't want to be in Koreatown on a Sunday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Um, it, it really consumed your entire life. I, I found a little bit of balance during my second year. Um, and then, unfortunately, there was my third year, which was consumed by all of, all of bar prep. So it's, it's definitely something difficult, which is why I'm part of organizations that really try and pair individuals with current law students um, to, to help bridge that gap and to ensure that, that people know that people are there to support them. Um, but... There's no one way to do law school. You just need to do what works best for you. Yeah. Um, how was your experience? Um, yeah, I think I think there's definitely not one way to do it. Mine was okay. I had a pretty good work-life balance. I mean, I, I must admit, though, the first semester of law school was pretty intense. Getting adjusted to that, like, the type of work mm-hmm. 
I was not used to, even though I was a history major, which required a lot of reading, but in undergrad, a lot of reading, (laughs) um, in quotes, because, yeah, but in law school, you actually had to read. So that took quite a bit of adjustment. But other than that, I think I did a pretty good job. Um, So you said that you lost a lot of friends during that time? Yeah, it's just you you can't keep up with a lot of people. So I was I was invited for weddings. I would go to the weddings, obviously, but you go there for like two, three hours because you have a midterm the next day. Mm -hmm. Of course, nobody understands that because you're 24 years old. Why are you still in school? But um, (laughs) that's young, though. 24. I passed the bar at 25. That's really young. I passed the bar when I was 27, I think. 26 did you take some time off yeah i took some time off between undergrad and law school yeah and um that's i I literally had classmates that were like late 30s early 40s it's never too late it it isn't um to be honest i had i had several individuals who had very successful careers in entertainment in merchandising and things like that and they're like I'm pretty much, I, so, wow, that was not a word. Um, <laughs> and basically their thought process was, I pretty much excelled at everything that I could do. And I always saw that we were going back to attorneys for their expertise, even though their expertise was less than mine. So they definitely wanted to do it for the status symbol. Um, but it, it isn't. It isn't. It's not something that you need to be 22 to start. It's something that you need to have that momentum and that drive and Mm -hmm. that knowledge that it's going to be difficult, but it's something that you want to do and something that you have to do. What was what was like your biggest resource going to law school in in the sense of that could be like support that you might have gotten on the outside or things that helped you get through the whole thing? So prior to starting law school, uh, my biggest resource was definitely my, my immediate family. So whether it was my parents or my sisters, it was something that I, I knew I could always count on. If it was 10 o'clock on a random night and that's when we were able to go out, that's when we were able to go out with a five-second notice. Um, go out where? What do you mean by that? Like anywhere? Just anywhere. You needed to clear your mind. Mm. But yeah, definitely my immediate family. And then when I was in law school, I was reaching out to a lot of um, friends of of individuals that I know were either in their third year or in their fourth year, really trying to grab resources from wherever I could, whether it was um, check out this website or let's have a, a coffee date or something like that to discuss stressors and things like that so that you can cope with law school. I think that wherever you can get support, even if it's not something traditional, it's something that you should definitely explore. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really good advice. We had very different um, paths, I think, Mm -hmm. to becoming attorneys. Mine was completely, completely different, where I was was almost, like, embarrassed to ask for help in that sense. So I never did. I just kind of, like, stayed to myself. I had major imposter syndrome, all the way until probably passing the bar. And I would always question, I'm like, am I dumb? <laughs> like, do I get this? Like, do I understand this? And then finally, when I passed on my first try, it was the first time where I was like, 
okay, well, I must get something. So I'm not like, I, I need to stop undervaluing myself. And so I, I always heard like, I need to reach out to these people. I, I didn't have anyone, I guess, in my direct circle to really guide me at all. That's part of the reason why I wanted to create this podcast to kind of give that resource, maybe hopefully to someone else um, that, that may have had questions and um yeah but I that was that was not my experience at all I wish I did do more of that because I think that is helpful and I don't think it's I felt a bit more I, I felt a bit shy you know reaching out to random people I mean they encourage you to like, like reach out on LinkedIn and things like that right to to connect with people and ask them for coffee or yeah a hundred percent and when they say that in your professional development class it's something completely different from what you actually experience when you are asking random people for coffee. And I completely echo what Miriam was saying about not being able to, um, to ask people questions. Definitely why I said earlier that passing the bar on my first, sorry, that going to my first year of law school was the most difficult part was because you see everybody around you, everybody around you seems like they understand what's going on. Um, and you're like, there's something 100% wrong with me, why I'm not picking it up and I'm not picking it up as quickly. And then as you go through law school, you know that individuals have their own battles and individuals mm -hmm. are just um, going through different things. And the way that some people, some people deal with stress is they they exude confidence and some people mm -hmm. when they deal with stress they they completely shut down i definitely did not exude confidence when i was stressed more <laughs> of a mental breakdown exactly. every other day um i wish i was like i'm stressed and all of a sudden i'm just super confident yeah no you had some people crying in the basement of our library and then you had some people asking what are you guys doing tonight it's gonna be so much fun um if we go out when you had a like three pages in constitutional law that you had to read. That's like, that was me. <laughs> I was asking you. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's an important conversation to have because you do feel like you're the only one feeling a certain way, especially your first year of law school where you're like, is it just me? But everyone, I think, battles with those types of thoughts at some point, maybe not all the time, but at some point in your law school journey you're like maybe i wasn't meant to do this or i shouldn't have done this i certainly had those thoughts all the time and i can't tell you how many times i thought <laughs> that i should quit when i was studying for the bar mm -hmm. how was how was that experience for you specifically that time period of studying for the bar because i felt that that was the most grueling experience of out of anything it was horrible um driving from the valley to downtown on a daily basis trying to beat traffic so that you could get one more hour of studying um mm. was was something that i didn't expect of myself um your basically your entire brain completely shifts into what's what's going to happen in the next three months and not, what do I feel like doing today? Right. Every single day, you see a beautiful view. And of course, they plan the, the California State Bar in the middle of summer 
where everybody in the world comes to California to have fun. And you're <laughs> seeing everybody pass by in beautiful cars, people dressed up well at night, people going to the beach during the day. And you're sitting in a building that was built in the 1920s and used to be a department <laughs> store. And you're asking yourself on a daily basis, why am I here? Why can't I have their life? And then you come to the realization. And unfortunately, this realization came to me like the day before I took the bar. I need to do something to ensure that not only I can have the life that those people were having during this entire summer in my future, but also to create that that consistency with my kids, with hopefully grandkids and things like that, that because of this this opportunity that I'm giving up, that one summer I'm not going to go to the beach, it's going to change not only the course of my life, but also the course of my family's life and my kids' life. So this realization came to you the day before the exam? The so what did you before. do all the entire time leading up to it? Um, I almost quit. I want to say that there were like 70 days between graduation and the bar. Yeah. So I, I almost quit about 140 times. Uh, so twice a day? <laughs> twice a day. <laughs> In the morning and then at night. And you're like, might as well do it again. When you're driving there, you're like, I think I can go to Disneyland instead of going to my study room. And then when you're driving home, you're like, what about if I don't get in my car tomorrow morning? What will happen? I know. I know. That was... That was really tough. I actually I studied at home the entire time, and it was it was a it was like doing mental gymnastics in mm -hmm. my own brain. Yeah. I would start off. I don't know if you had those. I would have like, it's hard to describe zone. So I would zone in for a couple hours. I'm like, oh, I'm actually really enjoying learning this, this and this and that. And then fifth hour, I was like, can I just stop? I hate doing this. And so I would have to like bribe myself I'm like oh, I'm gonna go get a coffee and then I'm gonna come back and do like five more hours or I'm going to get this meal at the end of it or something and I think when people when people ask me about taking the bar any advice that I could give it's always to and I say this all the time to stay in your own lane and not compare mm -hmm. yourself to what other people know and that was the most difficult thing that I had to do where I'm like okay if I kept looking at what like my peers were doing, I think that would have deterred me of actually just learning the material because then I'm like, okay, well, this person got this on the practice exam. That means I don't understand. And so I try to blur it out as much as possible. I think it's kind of just enjoying like the little things. Mm -hmm. I remember I would wake up, I'm like, I can't wait to have my first cup of coffee. <laughs> and then I felt like, the the time I spent studying for the bar was a little bubble because nothing else mattered. Right. You're studying for this exam and I would wake up thinking about the exam. I would go to sleep. No bills mattered. Like nothing mattered. Everything. And I think I also think that I I was really fortunate for that instance because a lot of people have so many things to worry about while also studying for the exam. I know like mothers that mm -hmm. have to raise a whole child while a whole child, a whole <laughs> child or a couple of children. Um, this isn't a King Solomon type situation. <laughs> and can, can you just, I don't. So I think I, I was fortunate in that way. I'm assuming you were as well. You didn't have to raise a whole child, not just a child, but you know exactly what I mean. Like, you know, you have, People have so many different things going on. And I felt I kept reminding myself, like, you're so fortunate to be able to not do anything for three months other than study. I didn't have to worry about anything, really. 
did you feel like you had well i mean i think you addressed it already where you said you had you lost a couple of like friendships Mm -hmm. did you have time to like date and things like that wow this is gonna be uh oh you don't have to go in detail (laughs) you could just say yes or no um honestly against the positions of my my parents and my siblings and other individuals that were close to me i didn't even want to date people like obviously there's this thing called transference when you're dealing with a a stressful situation and you're you're um you're having a conversation with your therapist or some or an individual that that can really relate to you and you all of a sudden see the individual assisting you as the individual bringing not only clarity to the exact situation but clarity to your entire life and you're like that's the person i love so for me there was this amazing girl in law school and i was like that's it that's the girl for my entire life but a part of my brain was saying if you even take five percent of your focus into something else no way no way in hell are you gonna pass law school but I wasn't going out on dates. I was just hyper focusing on someone, um, which on some, probably, oh, okay, on someone. Uh, which probably wasn't wasn't healthy. Um, but it's it's something that I greatly regret because being an attorney now, I think, definitely requires more time than being a law student. And more responsibility and I'm clearly able to date and I think that if I had something meaningful meaningful outside of law school I would be able to not only excel in law school but also say I'm advancing other opportunities in my life so I'm I'm not just focusing on whatever Marbury versus Madison um, stated but I'm also focusing on this is everything but the law. We're not bringing law into this. <laughs> I think I just triggered like 500,000 people. Um, sorry for that panic attack. Miriam will, oh will pay for your therapy session. Thank you. Um, I'm filing a claim immediately. <laughs> I, I think it's extremely important to, to tell yourself, yes, I'm going to focus 100%, but also give yourself some credit that you've done well up to this point. And that you can definitely have multiple aspirations at the same time mm-hmm. and and make those thrive. So do you, do you recall that meeting that you have when you first start law school? I think it's with like the financial aid person or someone. And well, I, I had it. And she's like going through like some options with like loans and things like that. And then she was, I don't remember exactly what she was talking about, but... I remember her asking me if I was in a relationship. And then I so I said, yes. I was like, yeah, I'm in a relationship. And she was like, mm, how strong is it? <laughs> and I'm like, what? I was like, it's pretty strong. Like, She's like, how long have you been dating? I said, I, I don't know what it was at that point, like three or four years or something like that. And she was like, yeah, you know, like a lot of couples break up because first year is so, so stressful. And I kept hearing that. Did you hear that? 
Um, How couples, like especially new couples, can't last through first year of law school. So I remember this one scene vividly where you just hear something crash in the library and you're like, that was really loud. What was that? And then the next day I'm talking with one of my friends and she's like, yeah, I threw my phone yesterday in the middle of the library because this guy that I was that was going out with a couple of times said, you're too devoted to law school. I don't think it's going to work out. Oh my God. And the amount of, of emotion that you have stored in your entire body during law school is something that cannot be replicated at all. Um, I'm sure you felt this. It's if one thing triggers you, that person or that thing is going to feel the wrath that they have never felt before. Mm-hmm. If it's the barista, I don't. At... I don't really have anger management issues. Sure. Okay. Um, having worked with Miriam for several months, <laughs> when have I ever been angry? In emails. That is not true. Miriam's email drafts were do this do that do that and i'm like no miriam no, that is not when i think you're mixing me when did i do that you, you know to... let's get into this <laughs> this is what we all came here for when when did i do that i was always nice yes but your sarcasm goes a completely different way in an email okay you have to admit though that it was effective yes it was effective <laughs> No, over the over the phone was great. I would I would get along with everyone, but sometimes I would be pretty on the How do you say it? I'm trying to frame it in the nicest way possible. Um adversarial side. No, you think so? Do you think I I'm I'm adversarial? I think everybody has to be adversarial at some point in their lives. Um I just think I'm direct. I think some people would would take that as an adversarial you think so? I don't know. Do you guys agree? <laughs> silence I is like it. silence is loud. Um, I like no, I think. I mean, I think that, and I know you know this that like if something bothers me, I will like address it if I think it's important enough, but not right. I feel like definitely when you have you have the the cool moments and then there's the the let's get this done moments yeah 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 i mean that's not that's like a craft i i pride myself in because i think i i like to like have fun but there's always like a line that i don't like to cross and i think we've had those meetings in my office where it's simon you're doing something wrong (laughs) probably should have waited until you swallowed um (laughs) Simon, you're doing something wrong and this is how it's affecting me. And I think that, number one, Miriam should get an amazing credit for being able to to muster that courage to say, Simon, my boss, is doing something wrong and saying it to me directly. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it's cru- incredibly crucial for managers and business owners to have that frank conversation with individuals yeah um under them to to know what exactly is going on i might feel that i'm the most amazing manager in the world which i am to be honest um and miriam comes into my office um saying that i'm not being direct or i'm being too direct or something like that Mm -hmm. i think that having that five minute that 10 minute conversation 
is more valuable than no matter what training course you're going yeah. through. But I, I also feel that approaches everything, mm-hmm. like how you say things. 100%. And like, I wouldn't like run into your office and be like, Simon, you did this wrong. I think there's, there's a talk to it. 100%. But it goes the other way around because I felt comfortable enough to come into the office and say something like that. Mm-hmm. If it was someone else, maybe I wouldn't have felt that way. And I might have bottled in a bit more. But I think we had that understanding of like, okay, can you, like this is affecting me in this way. Do you think we could do it a different way? And you're like, yeah, for sure. Not a big deal. Let's do it that way. Or vice versa. Like if you had, like you wanted me to do something different, I think I reacted in a similar way. Like, okay, I'll do this differently. And I've been managed by individuals that should have never been in management. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took those. That's T. Who? What are their <laughs> names? First, last name, bar so number. <laughs> Um, so I, I took those as learning experience mm-hmm. instead of, um, moments of resentment. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that it was able to, to translate into something productive. Yeah. And you gave me my first job, so I'm forever grateful for that. If there are any individuals who meet Miriam in their future life, you will know why I gave her the job. She's a very Stop. assertive individual. An individual that that knows what she wants and she's extremely straightforward and not only is that an amazing quality in an attorney it's an amazing quality to have on your team because you know that you're going to be corrected and for me that's something extremely important um, being able to have that frank conversation with individuals on your team about what you're doing wrong mm-hmm. being able to correct that sooner rather than later my head's getting huge right now thank you for all that (laughs) but um yeah i think but it goes i think it goes the other way around as well because you are an amazing boss and especially my first like real boss you know like it all goes downhill from here Sorry. yeah there probably won't be on my podcast (laughs) so yeah (laughs) that makes sense can i ask you some questions yeah Let's get to know everything but the law. Hosted by Miriam Karkashadze, yeah. Okay. You can pronounce that. You get a free subscribership for a month. It's already free. (laughs) So you've had a dynamic background. Um, Not only were you an influencer, a law student, an attorney, you still are an attorney, but you emigrated to this country at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And not only were you able to master the English language, but able to do something that only 7% roughly of the population can do, which is get a doctorate degree. So 7? 7%. When my sisters graduated with their doctorate from USC, um, their their dean was very proud of that, Mm -hmm. um, which is insane to think about because mm-hmm. we're about seven and a half billion people in the world oh so it's that seven percent of the world of the world oh, wow um so what were things that you did as a first generation immigrant that you think other first generation immigrants should do not only in pursuing a law degree but pursuing degrees outside of undergrad meaning like doctorates or being Mm -hmm. becoming a doctor things like that wow that's a loaded question um but 
I think it's just having a goal and doing whatever it takes to get to that goal because it's not always linear and you sometimes, you know, I would be doing something completely different that had nothing to do with my end goal. But at the end of the day, I would still come back and know what my what I wanted my future to look like and what I wanted to do. So I've literally dabbled in everything. I've done every type of work you could think of. But the entire time I knew I wanted to be an attorney, but I was okay with it not being so like, okay, like I'm just going to start and finish and become an attorney. Like I had a lot of obstacles in the way that I needed to work with. But at the end of the day, I didn't give up on what I originally wanted. And I've always wanted to be an attorney. It took me a little bit longer than most people because I took some breaks in between. I think I took two years between um, undergrad and law school, but I knew what the end goal was. And I knew that one way or another, I was going to, I knew one way or another, I was going to make it happen. So I guess if I had to give advice, it would be to not give up even when, and it sounds so cheesy, like, oh no, never give up. But there were so many things, even even like going to, I went to Pierce College, I went to um, community college, and my first semester was a mess. I got, I think like, I had like under a 3.0, and I I tell this story on a in a YouTube video, but I will briefly, briefly say it again. I went to a counselor, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm thinking about transferring and getting my bachelor's degree, and she was like, yeah, you're not going to get accepted anywhere, like, can you can you like basically give it up you know just remind the audience that you went to ucla which is yeah like a top 10 right school in the country but that was kind of if i i don't that was a catalyst that moment was i was so angry i remember getting in the car and i was like why how can someone tell me that i can't do something so I used that. I got literally like straight A's ever since that moment. And I transferred to UCLA where she probably didn't even think that was... She probably got rejected from UCLA yeah. and became a guidance counselor. <laughs> yeah. And um, after that, I I was like, All right, I'm just going to go for it. But it was a lot of figuring out because figuring out I didn't really have anyone to... to I didn't even know how to apply to colleges. Mm -hmm. So after high school, I was like, okay, well, I guess community college is like the way to go. And that's where I really figured it out and knew what I wanted to do. And I think a lot of what I've achieved, and I think it's not a lot, but it's not a little at the same time, is due to due to me and me constantly just going after what I want, even if like one way might not work. I'll try it a different way or I'll work harder or I'll do this on the side or I'll do that on the side. And at the end of the day, I think whatever I put my mind to, I always get. If that's not the definition of hustle, <laughs> I don't really know what is. Um, that kind of reminded me when I was in law school, it was during orientation, somebody knew somebody um, very close to me. So they're like, I actually know somebody um, that you may know. And it's very common in Judaism and in other niche groups where you meet one person and you meet and you know that you definitely have a common friend. So I was speaking to that person during orientation and two, three weeks later, I got a call from this random person um, not random, but I, it was weird that he called me. 
Mm-hmm. He's like, why are you going to law school? You, um, you have an undergraduate degree in accounting. I thought you wanted to become um, a CPA and things like that. I'm like, yeah, just definitely exploring like other opportunities while I'm young. I'm not attached. Like, it's definitely a good time. Because what's the point of going to law school if you're not going to pass the bar? And <laughs> for me, every single time I would sit down for a test, I would literally write what's the point of going to law school because you're not going to pass the bar. Yeah. And it's dumb, but I love that person so much, even though we don't talk (laughs) because of that. And you shouldn't. (laughs) But I love this person so much because my entire success is literally devoted to how negative this individual Mm is. Um, And I'm sure you see on a daily basis individuals saying, you can't achieve this because you're an immigrant. You can't achieve this because you're a female. You can't achieve this because you're not from the 1% and things like that. Mm-hmm. But you've definitely achieved it. And we're both attorneys, thankfully. Um, we know that on a daily basis, we wish we weren't attorneys. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's something that so much of the population wants to become but cannot. Mm-hmm. that even though we take it um, for granted, mm-hmm. it's something that we need to recognize on mm-hmm. a daily basis that we we achieved something great mm-hmm. and that we cannot just, just say, yeah, I'm just an attorney. Yeah. We achieved something yeah. much greater. What you, what you just said where you were like, a lot of people want to become but like can't or 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 i think something along those lines i think that's also a huge reason why i wanted to start this podcast because i want to make it a bit more accessible to people and it and it doesn't have to be this like crazy story of like i did 7 years of schooling back to back to back like you could have hiccups along the way and you could still become what you want to, you know, become. And so that was a huge reason. Well, I think that wraps wraps this up. What do you think? To be honest, I think this was very enlightening. Um, I think a lot of people will not only learn the sarcasm that has transcribed um, throughout this entire podcast, mm-hmm. but also the the characteristics of not being not being somebody that's going to give up right um you need to do whatever is necessary to to promote yourself to continue that drive but not be obnoxious right i think that we've both encountered individuals that are obnoxious yes and they think it's confidence, but to everybody else, it's, can you please God shut up? <laughs> right. um, so I think that it will be very, very enlightening to a lot of people to have these conversations and to, to discuss these, to discuss career moves with, mm-hmm. with um, individuals in different sectors and different industries. Um, so I'm really glad you're doing this and I'm glad Thanks. to see that not only are you taking initiative um, to to promote yourself as an attorney, but also to help other individuals that may seem lost or may feel lost um, strive and come to your greatness. Wow. 
that is beautifully said and thank you i'll take every ounce of that thank you for those words and i think what i wanted to get across in the first episode really you know showed and thank you for taking the time i know it's a work week and a work day i wouldn't be doing this if i were you but that's just a different character when your favorite when your favorite ex-employee asks you to do something you do it right a hundred percent and when i think it's something important for everybody to keep in mind when you feel passionate about promoting individuals and helping them strive and helping them rise to the top no matter how exhausted you are no matter how done with the day you are if you make if you take those little steps it's going to go a very long way and i i only wish you success in this podcast and then um i can quit my job because that's the (laughs) end goal and i will make sure that happens one way or another Okay. Not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. No, no, no. No. Seriously. No, in all positive ways. But anyway, Simon, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story, letting us know, you know, the good parts and the bad parts of being an attorney. And I think we should cheers to our very successful first episode. And on that note, subscribe.